see so many people here uh, gathered. Uh, we've already, already brought a lot of welcomes, um, but it is great to be able to gather uh, both uh, Ilkeston and Mansfield. And thank you to those who have taken the journey from Mansfield across. It is amazing in some people's mindsets that it could be like, well, it's a thousand miles away. Mansfield to Ilkeston is a thousand miles away. And Ilkeston to Mansfield, it's a thousand miles away. Guys, it's about 14 miles. That's it. It's two junctions down. It's very close to us. And uh, it is good. And over the course of this year, we're going to be encouraging to bring the, the churches together. And that will mean at times that uh, Ilkeston will gather in Mansfield. And then at times, Mansfield will gather in Ilkeston. It is good to be together. I wonder if anybody would be bold enough to uh, acknowledge if they feel they're put on weight over Christmas. Anybody feel, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just the way it is. Has anybody really overindulged? Do you feel like you've overindulged? Some of you? Some of you are looking as though, yeah, I'm not going to say, but I really have. And then some of you are saying overindulged on what? And that is the big question. Um, but uh, I'm sure there's many New Year's resolutions. <clears throat> I, I was reading in, in the press yesterday that um, obviously people are struggling now to get mortgages for houses, and they are saying now that they, the, the lenders are going to scrutinize the application so much that uh, if you have gym membership, don't write it down on your on your application because it will be the very thing or one of the things that could stop you from getting the loan. That's what they're saying. So all those people who are against gyms, bless the Lord. That was true. That was, that was in the press. It was just amazing because it shows that you're not, you know, managing your money and everything else. I mean, it's all right that you're, you're fatting all over the place and you're going to drop down dead, but don't worry about that, you know, um, as, as, long as, as long as you can pay for your house, you, you're, you're okay. I don't know why we got on that, but th- there we are. Um, I have no idea. Uh, we're in for a good year, as you can see, with my ramblings. Um, I, I, I do want to use the opportunity for the, for the few minutes that we have together to just uh, open the Bible and to just make a few statements. Uh, it is interesting. Would, would somebody mind just taking the light down? Thank you. Um, it, it is uh, interesting. I don't know whether, whether anybody took the time or were bo- was bothered to listen to the Christmas speech from the Queen. Um, and uh, she took the opportunity at Christmas to, um, uh, she was impassioned by the Bible and actually mentioned the King James Version. I don't know whether anybody heard it. And then she brought it together with regards to sport. She made a brilliant statement at the end about how communities create harmony. She was talking about the community of believers, faith believers, bringing together. It was just fantastic. She took that opportunity to, to relay a message to the nation. For those who were bothered, uh, David Cameron, he also took the opportunity to bring a New Year's message to us. Uh, Unfortunately, his was a lot more downbeat because this is what he said. 2011 is going to be a difficult year as we take hard but necessary steps to sort things out. But he took the opportunity to relay a message. Now, some churches, and we're not of this, they just say, well... It's just another day. And we understand that because Phil has already prayed that God is actually in time and is out of time. So for him, it's just another day. But there is something very significant about entering a new year. 
There are many people who have resolutions, determinations. You may be one of them. You know, it may be quite joking apart that you're determined to get healthy, to get fit. It may be some of you are determined to go and further your education. Whatever it may be, there are different resolutions that we have. And we use this opportunity in this church to relay a message. We want to use that opportunity. We don't want to let this opportunity pass us by. Now, I'm not going to roll out a vision uh, talk, but I do want to bring some clarity and some definition. And so, 2 Timothy, if you'd please turn with me, uh, and chapter 4, because we read here, it wasn't the Queen's speech, it wasn't the Prime Minister's speech, but it was the Apostle Paul, the greatest Apostle other than Jesus, that the world has seen. And uh, 2 Timothy, and chapter 4, and verse 6, and he makes this speech, this statement, these statements, because his time on earth was coming to an end. And this is what he said, I am already being poured out, in verse 6, like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure, but I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I want to use those verses as a little bit of a springboard to make some comments this morning. Because Paul's language is so intentional. It's so intentional. And one of the things that I want to talk today about, and I just want to write just a word on the board. I'll have to probably, uh, you know, read it out to those uh, over, over to my left. But the word there I've wrote is define. Define. I want to write another word down and then we'll get to work on the first word and then we'll go to our second word and then I want to give opportunity for people to respond this morning. So I've written define and determine. Define and determine. If you have a pen and a paper it might be useful for you to just put them down. They're the only words I'm going to put on this pad. I just want you to put down define and determine. Before I get to my notes, if you have made a resolution or if you've made a vow to yourself, I want to say the only way that you are going to accomplish the very thing that you want to see happen is when you clearly define what you want and when you determine that you are going to run after it. The words of the Apostle Paul was, I have fought the good fight of faith, I've run the race, I've kept the faith. There was a defining of what he was about, but there was a sense in his lifetime of determination to see the thing through. How many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution and then by about the third day is completely gone? Anybody help me? Yeah. There's many of us, many different times. It may already that you've done that. Here we are on January the 2nd and, you know, you made the de- determination yesterday and here we are today and you've already broken the very vow that you've made to yourself. 
We need to live with a sense of definition and determination. I want to use the first word, first of all. Everybody say together, define. That wasn't good enough. Everybody say, define. Define means to make clear. To make clear. Now, in a moment, and not yet, I'm going to put on the board, hopefully on the video projector screens, our making clear. But before I do that, what helps me in my definition of what I'm all about, because there is a sense of, this is my musing now, I'm letting you into my private world, but the lead up to Christmas is full of fun and excitement and presents and Christmas stuff that happens, carols, which I love. I look forward to Christmas more than any other time of the year. I absolutely love it. I love, uh, Annie asked me what's my favorite part of Christmas, and I said, I love Christmas Eve. I just love the anticipation of, of it all. But I just love all of it, really. But Christmas for me, uh, the lead up and then entering New Year, I always am the same. There is a lot of soul searching. There's a lot of contemplation. There's a lot of thinking that goes on in my heart and in my mind. I don't know whether anybody else is the same, but that's how I am. I just begin to ask questions about what is my life really all about and what am I wanting to see happen, not just in the coming year, but in my lifetime. Does anybody else think like that or is it just me? There's a few of us. And so my musings, my contemplations have brought me to the point of asking questions and I ask this question many times and I want you to use it in your definition because You need to answer this question. What's the main priority of your life? What's the main priority of your life? If you're a guest here and you're not normally a church goer, and you're not really into Jesus and spiritual stuff, you may be thinking now, well, it's 101 priorities But it may be just for both the seeker and for the believer that you begin to think about your life being more than just being a seeker or just being a Christian. There's actually a purpose behind Jesus. There's a purpose for the believer about you being saved. Because it's not just about Jesus saving you. There is a greater purpose than just salvation. You do know that, don't you? And in this making clear, we have to define what is the main priority of our life. You see, if I had the opportunity this morning to guarantee you 20 or 30 years, and looking around, some of you would really take that because the ages that you're at, I'm not being rude or unkind. I'm just saying, making statements. For some of you youngsters, you're just yawning, Sarah Topham now and thinking, no, I wasn't just thinking, well, what does it mean to me? Because I'm 14, 15. So what? Who gives a rip? (laughs) But when you're a bit older, if I could guarantee you 20 or 30 years more, some of you, I've got your attention now, you'd grab that, wouldn't you? But what what would you do with those 20 or 30 years? Listen, there's some real spiritual content here because you have to define that. You have to make clear. What are you going to do with the rest of your days? What is your life going to be spent 
on. Who are you going to spend it on? Because we can't keep doing the same old things of spending our lives on ourselves. We've got to learn, and God is wanting to get our attention where we spend our lives on Him. And we allow His life to flow through our lives. This is going to be the last year, 2011, is going to be the last year of me being in my 30s. Now I want all those 25 and under to stand to their feet, if you would, please. Quickly. (laughs) Sit down, Ken. Sit down, my dad. Bunch of flipping liars, a lot of them. Stand to your feet. Just remain standing. Just remain standing. Yeah, remain standing. Remain standing. Remain standing. I had the privilege of just having five minutes in the car with Kev because we picked him up on Christmas Day morning at Monday Arms. I don't know whether you can remember the conversation. I was very intentional in what I said to you. We just got talking about Christmas. And I made a statement. I said, you need to make the most of the time that you have. I said, because time just goes so quickly. I wasn't being just... But I just said, I remember when I was 21, 22. It just feels like, I want you to remain standing, it just feels like yesterday. Now, some of you are older than me and you're saying, what are you on about? I wish I remember back to when I was 39. I understand that, but just bear with me. Time goes so quickly. Time goes so quickly. I honestly can remember... When I was 21, 22, I remember when I was 25, I can remember what I was doing, where I was, what I was all about. And it has gone so quickly, I can't even think where I've, the years from 25 to now, where have they gone? I have no idea. Have I made the most of my time? I haven't. Have I wasted lots of time? Huge amounts of time. Do I have loads of regrets? Lots of them. Lots of them. Should I have done better? For sure. Now, I'm challenging you and charging you guys to make the most and begin and to listen to what I'm saying, to define your life. To define your life. And what are you going to spend your life on? Now that you can take your seats, now everybody else hears me, because I'm not bothered if you're 65, 75, 85, 35, I don't give a rip how old you are. You're all in this. You've got to come to a point where you define what you're about. The Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, there was no regrets. It wasn't a sense of the, the Frank Sinatra song. What is it? Regrets I've had a few or whatever it is. There were no regrets. He lived his life. He defined his life. He'd shaped his life. He knew what his life was all about. He knew what his mission was all about. Jesus was exactly the same. Jesus knew clearly what his mission was, and he fulfilled his mission. There are very few people in life who can actually say at the end of their life they've done everything that they believe God had called them to do. But for those who have the privilege of saying that, it's because they defined their life. They said to themselves... What am I going to spend my time doing for the rest of my days? Now I understand some of you. You have no idea because there's that many twists and turns, aren't there, in our lives. Let's face it. You can lose a spouse, a wife, a husband. You can lose a child. You can lose your job. 
you can get a promotion and you move away. You know, things happen to us. I I understand the frailty and the complexities of life. We set a course out, and if we're not careful, we're so rigid to that course, when something blows, you know, the northeaster, we just are freaked out. We've got to just trust God in all of this, but we've got to be clear in our mission and in our purpose. I want to be clear today that this church has a very clear purpose, and in a moment... I'll make comment about it. But before I do that, I've been really inspired whilst we've been on holiday and I've been reading a book by um, a man who studied the life of Billy Graham and it's called The Leadership Secrets of Billy Graham. And if you just allow me, I'll just read a little quote from it. But Grady Wilson, one of Billy Graham's associates, describes a time in the 1960s when Billy Graham was swimming with President Lyndon Johnson, Johnson, the US president, at Camp David And the president said in front of several staffers, Billy, I think you ought to run for president when I finish with my term. If you do, I'll put my entire organization behind you. This is a big thing that this president is saying to Billy Graham. Billy answered with a laugh, Mr. President, I don't think I could do your job. Billy, I know you think I'm joking, said the president, but I'm serious. You're the one man who might turn this country around. Later, Billy received, revealed that President Richard Nixon offered him an ambassadorship, a cabinet post, any job he wanted. And then again, earlier, in 1952, Texas billionaire H.L. Hunt offered Billy $6 million in 1952 if he would run for president. As attractive as these options may have been, Billy realized they were not part of his mission. Listen to me. To each he said, God called me to preach, and I do not intend anything else, to do anything else as long as I live. Billy Graham's focus was clear. See, Billy Graham had defined what he was going to spend his life upon. I'm pausing for a moment because I think we would do well on this 2011, January the 2nd, to begin to ask some thoughtful questions and for you to go away from here to ask some thoughtful questions about what you are going to spend your life doing. 99% of us, to be quite honest, We'll be married or remain single. We'll have children. Some won't. We'll just uh, live. When I say normal lives, there's nothing wrong with living a normal life. There won't be any sense of God asking you to give everything up. But I'm asking you in the midst of your normality to live for God. And to define your life by giving everything to God. And that means to say that if you are called to be a husband, you're the best husband in the world. If God calls you to be a wife, you're the best wife in the world. If God calls you to be a mechanic, you're the best mechanic in the world. And you live out your Christianity and your calling in your 24-7 Monday to Sunday life. Are you hearing me? That is the definition of your life. And it's not the stuff that we can easily get caught up in. You see, we have to keep watch over the good things Because these things can be a thief of the great things. 
You see, it's not the rubbish that comes to our life that really we can deal with the rubbish. Yeah? It's the really good things that are often the thief of the great things of what God wants your life to be defined by. I wonder if we could put them on the screen, uh, Aaron, if we can get them up there. The heartbeat statement, because I just want to take a moment to define. This isn't, as I said, a vision talk, but I just want you to take a moment. Because here, clearly, we've defined. When people ask me, what are we all about? I point them straight away to the heartbeat statement. And again, my heart was racing and beating as I got up early this morning to read this statement again. The power of these words are amazing. We want to grow a unique and welcoming community that brings hope to the world. You know, the very thing that the world longs for is hope. And we have hope. And why do we keep it to ourselves? There are people out there who are longing for hope, and we have hope in abundance. Developing passionate and devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, who display his character and live by his power to do the impossible. In a few moments, uh, we'll just leave them on there, Aaron. I'll make reference to some of these things. Because it is our intention, in particular, over this year, to develop passionate and devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, who display his character and live by his power to do the impossible. But as my colleague over here often says, you can only develop disciples if people really want to be discipled. Question. Do we want to be discipled? I'm just throwing some questions out for you to think through. Because there were many people who followed Jesus, and I think it's John chapter 6, he, he had a crowd around him, and then he makes this statement. There were many people who didn't like hearing what Jesus had said, and many left him. Many left him. What really that statement is saying, that verse was saying is, these people did not want to be discipled. Because discipleship will cost you everything. What is the hallmark of discipleship? He who takes up his cross and follows Jesus. So this discipleship will cost everything, but it's something that we are defining and shaping in the life of Arena and something in 2011 that we believe in that we're going to see happen. And it's developing disciples of character because we see they're of character. But I want you to get this. We want to develop, and I want to be a disciple of faith. Because we put at the end of that, and I believe God inspired us, who live by his power, to do the what? To do the what? To do the what? You're not loud enough. To do the what? And one more time. To do the what? What does the impossible look like to you? What's impossible? <laughs> you see, there are many things that come and we say, well, that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. But I want to be like Sean was encouraging us to be people who actually step out and pray for people and as Tracy and believe for healings to take place. Those things that say, well, that's impossible. And this woman, she really doesn't, really want to say it's God because she's a bit unsure but it's God and this year 
I really am believing for God to help us to see disciples of character and of faith. But secondly, we need to determine. You see, there is a point of decision and there is an attitude of determination that has to take place if we're going to see anything accomplished. There are some people here who work in the financial services, Bob being one of them. And... uh, My little knowledge of the financial services is that if you take out a policy, immediately after you've signed that policy, within days you get a letter through. And the letter is a 14-day cooling off period, yes? By law, they have to give the 14-day cooling off period. You see, what they're actually saying is you've just defined and decided what you want to do, but now you've got to determine if what you've signed into you're serious about. And I'm being very careful here today because if I asked everybody to stand to their feet, if you want to define and live your life to God, I think most people would stand to their feet and say yes. But I want to give you a bit of cooling off time. A bit of cooling off time. Because in the heat of the moment, we can say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you ask me to, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. But that's in the heat of the moment. But what about tomorrow when you're having to get out of bed you have to go to work and the car won't start and there's ice on the windscreen and the kids have spilled the cereals everywhere and the wife's not looking her best. So, sorry, was that, was, that too, was that too far? I am joking, guys. You know me well enough. I have to say in our household, it didn't... The wife, it's the husband who doesn't look the best. Trust me. But all these things are happening in your life. I'm just trying to throw a bit of humor in. Please don't get offended. I don't live like that at all. But all these things, will you still, you're hearing me. There's a cooling off period. A cooling off period. I want to read something that's very sobering. This, this morning, if you just turn to Ecclesiastes in chapter 5, I do, do need to move very quickly. There's nothing wrong in raw emotion and there's nothing wrong in making decisions. Listen, I made, dis- I made a decision when I was sat in a Yugoslavian home after God talking to me all night, literally talking to me all night. And I made a decision to give up my job in the bank. I made my decision. Okay, I was 18. I had no responsibilities. But I would made my decision at that point. There was no turning back. I was going to live for Jesus. And that was going to be the end of it. I made my decision. It was, I didn't need any cooling off period. I made my decision. It was like that. So there's nothing wrong with making decisions. And some of you may be here to, today, this morning, and you may be already something stirring. You're making a decision. That's cool. But I want to just help those who have made decisions and not determined to keep them. I want to just put a little bit of cautious or caution to us. Because Ecclesiastes verse 5 says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they, what they do wrong. Listen, do not be quick with your mouth, do not be hasty in your heart to, to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on the earth. 
so let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. Can you hear the cooling off period? You see, I desperately want my life to be, to be defined by something greater than I'm presently living in. But I need God's grace and help and strength to actually carry out and give me the determination to carry it through. Because God, what God has called me to and what God has called you to is greater than you are presently living in. But God wants us to have the determination to see it through. What am I talking about? Well, if I was to define and say what determinations we need to have, let me give you a few. First of all, it's come up already this morning many times. Kath mentioned it. I was so pleased by all the testimonies. Well done, guys, for standing up and speaking so well. But this is, needs to be a season of greater prayer. Can I be bold with you this morning? I, I need you to give me permission. Can I be really bold with you? You may not like me for it, but I need to say it. Am I okay to say it? I'm, I'm not working the crowd. I'm absolutely serious. If we believe that prayer is so effective, why is there not more of us praying? And if we understand the power of corporate prayer, listen, why is there only at least 4 to 5% of the church that come and pray once a month on a Friday night? This is why I ask for permission. And I'm not trying to take a heavy stick and begin to beat us. I'm just saying, if we value prayer, if we value prayer, and we say that we cannot do anything without God helping us, one, why is it that we're seeing 10 people, 12 people turn up on a Friday night once a month? Now, I want to say to all those who do come, amazing, we have a brilliant time. It's, it's irrelevant how many there are. But what I'm saying is that it's our one time, and I know there's prayer things that happen throughout the month. I understand there's prayer groups. We, we put wind to all that. But this is one time when we just draw the thing together. I'm sorry if you were offended by that. But this is where the cooling off period comes off. Because if we want to see all that God has for our life, it won't come about through us just messing around and playing around. It will come as we begin to give ourselves fully to God in prayer. And dare I say that horrible word, fasting. Not feasting, fasting. Which always caused me great difficulties but we can't get away from it. And if this is what it is about defining our discipleship, then so be it. So we have this Friday. And I don't just want, you know, 100 people turning up and we do it once and then that's it. We have to have a cooling off period and say, am I going to commit myself, determine myself to come together in corporate prayer and stand with leadership and stand as a church together to see all that God has for us. Secondly, let me define the raising of disciples and leaders. 
this year we're going to give ourselves to training and teaching. There's going to be days and nights and Saturdays. I'm so thrilled that when Gavin and Glenda were here, there was such a good number. But again, if I can be bold, there was more people that needed to be there than there was. I know I was on, in, on holiday. I do apologize. And I know sometimes we can't get there for whatever reason. It's not that we're trying to gather people to church all the time, but we put different things on of discipleship and training and development. And I'm asking us, I'm asking us if we're serious about discipleship, if we're serious about developing passionate and devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we give ourselves to these things that are going to help us. And it's not just this, but we give ourselves fully to see this focus on leadership. So we're going to see, put on leadership days, nights, marriage day, a parenting course. We want to see the release of new small group leaders and departmental leaders and church planting teams. If you think that Mansfield is the only thing that's in us, you're completely wrong. Because I really believe that God wants us to plant churches. There's one who's saying yes. I really do believe God wants us to plant churches. I really do. And you may say, well, where's that going to come from? Don't keep doing this. Look at you. you. You are probably the church planting team that God is wanting to use. Wanting to raise up senior leaders, pastoral care leaders. You name it. We want to see. And we need to see it if we're going to grow. Lastly, and I will finish with this and be very quick. Define and determine. I'm trying to define what this discipleship looks like. Somebody once said, if, if the leader doesn't ask for your commitment, someone else will. Okay? If, somebody, if I don't ask for your commitment, somebody else will. So I'm here today asking for your commitment. <laughs> I'm asking for your commitment of service, of your time, of your money, of your skills, of your resources. I'm asking you, will you help? Please, because we cannot do what we need to do without the church completely getting behind and getting involved. I'm really committed to this word of impossible. Some of you have lived with the impossible. I'm trying to live with it. I'm trying to feel it, sense it, understand it. But more, more than that, I'm wanting to walk into it. So when I'm looking at buildings, and I don't know whether that is the impossible, I need some help with all this. Because very often, God doesn't just bring the impossible through money that's dropped out the sky. There's often times when he'll send manna from heaven or he'll send, you know, birds to feed somebody. But very often, it's through one another that resources are met. Are you hearing me? One another. And if we're going to see the impossible happen... It's going to be through the one another. So I'm dreaming of new staff members. I'm dreaming of new buildings. I'm dreaming of new churches that we need to, that we need to plant. And in this nation of courts, <laughs> to give as much as you can. And together, for us to believe God for the very best. That's what I'm believing for in 2011. Other than that, that's all I can really say on this. But I, I believe that God wants us to press into the impossible. Where we can't afford it, we can't do it, 
that God's speaking to us because we're giving ourselves to prayer and he's saying, I'll be with you. And I'm saying to you, I need, we need people who will stand with us on this journey, genuinely, sincerely, who will stand with us. And not just, I'm praying for you. Because, frankly, I appreciate that. But often, I've challenged a lot of these young guys on the Alton Towers journey. I said, there's no good praying about something if you can actually do it yourself. Didn't I say that to you, Pete? There's no good praying about something if you've got the power to make it happen. Because God's actually wanting you to be the person to make it happen. There's been many people, when there have been times in my life when I've been facing something, they've had the power to help me. And all they've said, not all they've said, but they've said, I'm praying for you. Well, please don't just pray for me. Help me. Are you hearing me? Help me. So, in the best way that I've been able, without going into huge amounts of dialogue, I'm asking you to define what you're going to give your life to. And not just in 2011, but in the years ahead no matter how many hours, minutes, days you get from God, because he knows all the days. They're all written in his book already. But I'm asking us then to determine. And when you feel you're ready to determine, then you need to go before God and make your vow before God. And you need to go and express it to somebody else so they can hold you to that commitment. I close with the words of Joshua. As for me, my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Now, in these closing minutes, if you just give me till one, it's been a bit special this morning, just with all the testimonies and whatever. I wonder if the musicians would just...